Welcome to your Lot and Parcel podcast. Our mission is to emphasize the importance of preserving historic landmarks for future generations, mental health, physical well-being, and a safe family home environment. We value your monetary support. Here's your host, Benjamin F. Diaz. We're talking about a ranch that is committed to regenerative agriculture. My guest says that when we take care to improve and regenerate the land, we are all healthier for it. And it allows to raise healthy poultry naturally, no antibiotics required, giving the consumer, yes, you and I, more nutrient-dense meals on our plate. My guest is the owner and manager of Big Bluff Ranch in California, and here he is, Tyler Dolly. Thank you, Tyler, for coming on your lot and parcel show. I really appreciate it, and you taking time to visit with us. I'm looking forward to what you have to say, and I guess we can get started by just telling us about you and your ranch operation, if you would, Tyler. Sure. Yeah, we're uh, Big Bluff Ranch. We are in Red Bluff, California, which is in the Sacramento Valley of California. We are about two hours north of Sacramento on I-5, mm-hmm. and we... Um, yeah, we've been here since about 1960. Well, oh, we've been okay. here since 1960. Grandpa bought the ranch in 1960. Mm-hmm. And my parents moved up here permanently in the late 70s. And we've kind of just been messing around with agriculture ever since. This is where I grew up. And I uh, I went away to college. And pretty much the moment I left the ranch, I was like, well, that was a bad idea. And I started coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always that way. Yeah. Um... As I had mentioned to you, I'm also uh, uh, from a farm background, grew up on a farm. And uh, no, it's it's nothing like going back home. And uh, how many acres do you have at this point that you're operating there, Tyler? Right. Yeah, it's about 4,000 acres. 4,000. And acres. just to kind of put that in context, that's yes. uh, I like to say that's a full-time job and a half-time mm. income. <laughs> yeah so it's a lot of grazing a lot of grazing uh yep yep we're we're in the foothills so we're right about a thousand foot elevation so we mm-hmm. um we're right in that transition from the valley which is really fertile where people make real money and we're backed up right into the brush belt which uh-huh. goes up into the timberland where other people make lots of money so <laughs> grandpa unfortunately bought the ranch right in between two profitable <laughs> Uh, environment so we mm-hmm. uh, we don't have either advantage there well well apparently it was a keeper since he uh you've had it in the family since 1960 so that's great yeah. uh, i think it's a good way of life uh, and of course what we're going to be talking about is a regenerative uh, agriculture uh, how would you define that expression and and, and the philosophy behind that All right so there is no universal <laughs> Excuse me. There's no universal definition right now to regenerative agriculture. Okay. Everyone's going to have a slightly different version of it. Mm -hmm. I will give you my version and it will give you the broad parameters of what regenerative agriculture actually is. You may quibble about a word here or there, but everyone's in agreement. Oh, I'm sure. And the general idea is that by farming, in Mother Nature's, using Mother Nature's program, 
we can regenerate the fertility that was there that we started um, uh, basically mining back when conventional agriculture first mm-hmm. started coming into the country. So that's thinking through things of like cover cropping, um, no-till mm-hmm. farming, um, adaptive grazing management, multi-species of animals, integrating cropland with animals and that the whole idea is to take mother nature's operating system mm-hmm. which she has a, it's a really useful thing but it's she's very passive in it and that once we understand what her system actually is we can actively participate in it and we can uh, accelerate what she would do naturally mm. so just a quick example of that um and the details will be slightly wrong, um, but the the spirit is true. Mm-hmm. Let's say that when you're grazing plants with your cows, that you only want to take half the leaves. So Mother Nature, the only way she'd be able to do that is through essentially predators or some sort of stress to the animals that mm-hmm. you would have your elk. And they're just going to stay there and eat everything to the ground until until they're forced to move. The exactly. wolves were what forced them to move. Mm-hmm. Now, Mother Nature says, hey, don't come back and graze that plant until it doesn't look like it hasn't, until it looks like it hasn't been grazed. Only way Mother Nature would have to do that would be with, um, we call them repugnant zones. I mean, basically, you know, <laughs> your own manure, your own urine on the ground, like no sure. one wants to come back and eat that, right? <laughs> So, but that's not very, very accurate. So as an, so that's her passive system as Mm -hmm. an active manager, as an actor, active steward of our land. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do is go out there and be like, okay, with our fencing, instead of wolves, we're like, we're going to eat half the leaf area. Boom. We got it. Move the cows out, close the gate. This pasture is now resting. We are watching it closely. Like, oh, look at that. Our leaves have recovered to looks like they've never been grazed. Now we can bring the cows back in exactly the right day. Mm-hmm. And so by becoming an active manager, an active steward, we mm-hmm. are taking what we learn from Mother Nature and doing it to the best way possible. And that there are just so many amazing knock-on effects from this that to stick with the grass example, if we graze that grass down mm-hmm. um, one, one of the problems we have these days is we have too much carbon in the atmosphere right this is mm-hmm. a cause cl- cause of climate change well mm-hmm. how do we get climate out of the air and into the ground well that happens through sy- photosynthesis and chlorophyll yeah. so when a plant is growing it's grabbing carbon it's throwing it down into the roots and it's sticking it in the ground mm-hmm. so what we want to do if we're one of our management um, criteria is to sequester carbon. We want as many green leaves for as long as possible. Sure. And so there are tricks, not quite tricks. There are management techniques that you can do to extend your growing season. So we graze half that grass off. Well, that actually left that full root structure below it. So even though you've reduced your solar panel, your battery capacity in the roots is still the same size. So you're still putting away carbon. It grows back faster. Mm -hmm. So ultimately getting back to the definition of regenerative air culture, 
we want to pump life back into the natural ecosystem Mm -hmm. through our management practices. Mm -hmm. And that the more we put into the soil, into our ecosystem, the more that comes back to us and the healthier that it comes back to us, you know, both in the quality of the food, the quality of health that that food gives us. It's this amazingly synergistic Mm. ball of goodness. You're just, it's, it's just really cool, fun stuff. Yeah, I can appreciate that. So apparently uh, the human element, when you, it comes to play with nature in itself, you're able uh, to improve it uh, much more and much faster, apparently, because of the ingenuity. Exactly. That's exactly it. That yeah. the mother nature takes something. It takes from- a while. Yeah. Takes she she can grow an inch of topsoil mm-hmm. in a hundred years. I think the stat is back in the Midwest, mm-hmm. and that through active management we can grow an inch of topsoil in ten years. Yeah. So we can yeah. we can ten x her system, hmm. but you can't do it the way conventional guys are doing it. You have to use these regenerative practices. Exactly. Uh, using that expression, regenerative, is that uh, interchangeable with organic farming? No, people try and people try to make it interchangeable and that Uh maybe on a philosophical level, they are somewhat Mm -hmm. interchangeable, but Mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in channels of trade of commerce of business, organic is a closely defined standard, Mm -hmm. um, that talks about chemical inputs, um, you know, animal welfare to some degree, and that it's a regulated term that means has no regulation around the environment. It doesn't Mm -hmm. really care if you're making the ground better or not. Mm -hmm. Regenerative does care about the ground. So a lot of people will throw out regenerative and organic and sustainable and kind of stick them all in the same area and they yeah. are all generally the same, but they're actually specifically different. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is, is more involved in it was, uh, yeah, much, much more, much, much more. more. We are certified organic. What we do with oh. our chickens, we are certified organic, but it's almost, that's almost table stakes. Like you, uh, you can't really be regenerative and not be organic. You can, you. but yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you might as well be organic. Might as well, yeah, you know. But uh, I think what you're doing is uh, it's a fine thing. Uh, um, one question I, I wanted to ask is: Is this a return to ancient practices? Would you? What would you say to that? Yes, to some no. extent. Yeah, okay. to some extent. I mean, yeah. if you're talking about ancestral practices of like yeah. taking care of the animals they wanted to be taken care of, then yes, like treating okay. a chicken like a chicken, letting it have roosts and shelters and grass and bugs and space and temperature variations. Mm -hmm. Um, That is definitely kind of going back to, you know, your ancestors. And they're not even that long ago because, you know, our great grandmas, grandmas, they had their chickens in the backyard. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard to go that far back. Right. Right. We're not going back to ancestral is at the scale that this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Grandma had, you know, 30 or 40 hens in her backyard. We here <laughs> yeah. at the ranch can do, you know, tens of thousands of chickens a year. More mm. um, grandma can do 30 because we yeah. are taking a mother nature's model and yeah. really kind of actively stewarding it and running exactly. with it. The, I mean, so, of course, the, the, the science is different today, obviously. 
Right. So it's definitely one of those like back to the future ideas or yeah. Yeah. forward to the past ideas where mm-hmm. there's a lot of hearkening back to what used to work and what used to be good, but adapting it for where we're at now and setting it up for for the future to make mm-hmm. sure that because that's one of the big criticisms that people always throw out there is like, well, you got to feed the world. You got to feed the world. Regenerative will never feed the world. Mm-hmm. And that just does not seem to be the case that if you find farmers or ranchers who are really good at what they do, they are outproducing the conventional guys by factors of 10. Is that right? Yeah, it's amazing. The right. what's a there is a guy named Gabe Brown, mm-hmm. he's out of South Dakota, I believe. He wrote a book called Dirt to Soil, Soil mm-hmm. to Dirt, something like that. And he has been doing this regenerative agriculture for 20 years, mm-hmm. and he has, yeah, just brought so much vitality to his farm that it's just ridiculous. Wow. He's actually cut his acres down by a lot and is outproducing what he used to do on his old full acreage. Wow. It's and that's just one example. And he he's like a he's out there on the talk circuit. He, he's all over the place. But there's dozens and hundreds of other yeah. farmers doing the same thing. How about that? Well, that's that's uh, that's great. Uh... You are listening to Your Lot and Parcel podcast. Please tell a friend and support the educational program by leaving us a rating or review. We thank you in advance. We are visiting today with the owner and manager of Big Bluff Ranch in California. He has chosen to employ practices to help nourish, protect, and sustain a healthy and balanced ecosystem, not only for their poultry and their ranch, but for the future of the planet and life as a whole. And for more about this ranch, you will find the link in the show notes. Here he is again, Tyler Dolly. And I almost know, it may, this may be a superfluous question, but uh, what, what are your thoughts of modern industrial farming? <laughs> well, I'm not going to point any fingers. Okay. It, it showed up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it got called into existence because uh, people made choices mm-hmm. uh, with their food dollars. There are some policies yeah. put in place, yes. and we ultimately created that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are you know massive flaws in it. But I don't think that the people who are running it are evil. They are just kind of trapped in a situation where they don't really know anything else. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's kind of the really exciting thing about regenerative agriculture is that when people kind of first come across it, yeah, they're going to be like, this is crazy. I'm not going to switch. This is how my grandpappy used to do it. This is how my pappy used to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. Damn it. Mm-hmm. But that. Farmers are extremely pragmatic people that, yes, you know, we fix I'm, things, we build things, we grow things. Exactly. And that yeah. if you can prove to them that this crazy wacky thing that they just don't even believe in, but if it makes them more money, yeah. they're going to do it. 
Exactly. And then, you know, it's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah well, it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, pretty yeah it's dry. pretty cut and dry. And it that is. no yeah. no farmer <clears throat> rancher does not want to do a better job of, of what they are doing now. Yeah. Right? Oh. They just don't know what better is. I think so. Or what, yeah. what people want. Yeah. So if that's getting one of my other like things I like to talk about is how food dollars really matter. Mm-hmm. That the food you choose to eat creates the food system you get. Mm-hmm. So if you value, um, well, and so the current food system really values cheap calories. And mm-hmm. so that's why when you go to the grocery store, food is, I mean, I realize it's not these days, but it, relatively speaking, our food in America is really cheap mm-hmm. because that is what we've built our food system to to value. We have not built it to value land quality, animal husbandry, mm-hmm. um, farm, rural communities. We haven't built it to value that. But yeah. all you have to do is vote with your food dollars to make that happen. Right. You know, people like you keep people like me in business, right? Mm-hmm. You don't buy buy a chicken from me and I'm going to stay in business and I'm going to keep doing this sort of regenerative stuff and that's when I don't have a chicken to sell you, I'll be like, sorry, I don't have it. And then my neighbor down the road is going to be like, oh, Tyler, we we're, we can make some serious money on this chicken. It's crazy to raise a chicken not in a barn, but have you seen how much money Tyler's making? Which mm. is not a lot, by the way, but it's more than what the conventional guys make. Mm. Um, and so that is how the revolution happens. So exactly, if, you just need to buy the next best thing and yeah. as long as we are directionally correct um things are going to get better you know Absolutely. don't you, the 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 doom and gloom you know pretty much every week you read the newspaper hear the news and there'll be some you know famine here flooding there mm-hmm. drought here mm-hmm. and it's it's all it's scary especially when you're living in it but for the most part, those are conditions we created. And mm-hmm. if we cre- create them, we can uncreate them, right? And okay. what I'm saying is that one of the paths we have forward to create a change is through our food because our food has the most direct connection to our environment. Absolutely. And, of course, to your health, you know. So a lot of it, yeah, like you say, uh, floods and droughts and so <clears throat> a lot of it, it's, it's – um, it's uh, man, man-made stuff, you know, uh, not having enough uh, uh, foresight and that sort of thing. I mean, you take, uh, I'm thinking of New Orleans, you know, we think about that uh, hurricane that it hit it. Well, shoot, I, you wouldn't find me moving there. Uh, n- nothing to, uh, negative about the folks that live there, but I mean, it's below sea level, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know? So, uh, I mean, to me, I'm, it's a real head scratcher. But um, yeah, I appreciate uh, what you're saying. Now let's let's talk about your operation uh, as to what you raise there, if you would. Tell us about what you are raising. Right. So what we hang our hat on these days is yes. pasture poultry. So okay. that's chickens raised out on grass under the sun, chasing bugs, eating grass uh, their whole life. And that's what we've been doing for the past 15 years um, for various wholesale and contract accounts. And we are just starting up an e-commerce side of that. So Mm -hmm. 
Uh, when you guys are listening to this podcast, go to bigbluffranch.com and you can order some chicken from us if you think I'm not too crazy. And so <laughs> yeah, no, it, uh... that that's our thing. So we also do a little bit of grass-fed beef. We don't have that on the site yet. That's more of a a neighbor's type thing. Well, you sure, know, okay. you know, on my email newsletter, I'll tell you when the beef is ready. We don't have enough for the website. Mm-hmm. And okay. Kind of getting back to my big spiel about regenerative agriculture and how Mother Nature has a system. And if we can figure that system out and then actively manage it rather than letting her passively manage it, mm-hmm. things get better. Well, one of the things that we are doing here at Big Bluff Ranch is really understanding the true environment of where we live. This part of California is a Mediterranean climate. We have cool yes wet winters and then hot dry summers and we have lots of hills and we have lots of brush Mm -hmm. and that is not an environment that should grow a lot of beef and that's true for the most part in california Mm -hmm. so really if you live here in california you should eat like you live here when you go into your grocery store it should not look like every other meat case in america it should look like a california meat case you should Mm -hmm. have Some beef, because we don't have very much summer grass, you should have some beef. Mm -hmm. You should have lots of lamb and goat because lamb and goat grow very, very well in Mediterranean climates. They also love brush and they love hillsides. So in case anyone hasn't noticed, we're burning down all the time. Well, (laughs) if we were eating enough lamb and goat, Mm -hmm. they would be out there eating all these fuel loads that are burning up right now. Yeah, clearing the land. And if you and there should be some chicken in that meat case, but it probably should Mm -hmm. be a no corn, no soy chicken, which is what we do because California should not really grow corn because it takes a ton of summer irrigation. We're in a drought. I think there's better places for that water to go. And we can't grow soy because our climate's just too dry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're going to feed an animal some, some grain supplementation, like grow it nearby. Don't ship it in from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things you said about you know the New Orleans and Hurricane Katrina that part of the flooding issues was that all of the um, mangrove, well, it's mangrove, right? Mangrove mm-hmm. forests are all gone. Mm-hmm. Well, basically they got silted out, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. all the all of the bad bad farming practices in the Midwest all get flushed out through New Orleans. Yes. And it ruined the natural buffer zone that yeah. should have protected New Orleans from these hurricanes. Right. So as far as, you know, having food directly affect the environment, there's another example of how what you eat has a very real and very direct connection to the environment. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can appreciate what you're saying. And uh, no, that's great. Uh, I think it's good thinking. You got to use some some reasonableness, you know, some logic and what you, where you're at and what you can eat and and so forth. And let me ask you about the bird it, it, it itself. Tell us about the bird or the chicken that you raise. It, it, me, I, I know a little bit about chickens, of course. So, you know, there's the broiler, right? The fryer, the what else? Uh, the roaster. Uh, what uh, to what extent do you raise the chicken to for the processing? before you know by the time right so what we we raise (laughs) we raise cornish crossbirds out here Mm -hmm. which is the exact same genetics that you're going to see in the grocery store okay um 
that we have experimented with slower growing breeds and that's the you can only take things so far so um the cornish work great for us because they grow really fast but Mm -hmm. we grow them slow enough slower than the conventional guys so we don't have any growth problems um they're out on pasture they're moving around so they're they're they actually got muscles (laughs) they're they're in shape Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, the 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 muscle is is firmer. It's got kind of like a little nice chew to it. It's not mush mm-hmm. like grocery store chicken, mm-hmm. um, because they get all of the grass. Um, you know, they get really good vitamins and nutrients. So right. to really, you know, around here tastes like chicken is not an insult. It's a compliment. Chicken should taste like something. Chicken should taste good, mm-hmm. and that's what our chicken tastes like. And that, you know. Uh-huh. Growing so, them a couple of weeks older gives them more flavor. Giving them exercise gives them some muscle. Getting them out in the sun, you know, all of their hormones are are firing off. Their circadian rhythms are all correct, and it just it tastes like chicken should. Yeah, you know, if you're yeah. go back to go back to the grandma, how grandma had twenty chickens in her backyard, and you'd always go and have grandma's roast chicken, and it was the best chicken ever. Well, she did have a good recipe. I won't deny that. But what she really had was good chicken. And this, what we do, our chicken is as good as grandma's chicken. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I can believe that. Uh, you know, since I have a, a background, some background uh, living on a farm. Uh, so are we talking about maybe before you, by the time they get processed, about what, eight weeks, 12 weeks or so? Uh, they're going to be like seven and a half weeks for Is us. Is that right? And we're talking yep. about what, two and a half, three pounds, something like that? Uh, three to four pounds is kind Is of that right? Mean. Okay. Yep. That's a good size yep. chicken. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if, if you're going to go to the trouble of cooking a chicken, you might as well have some <laughs> leftovers is the way I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And, uh, and uh, you have an ongoing uh, store on your website, right? Where a guy can uh, order. Uh, um, you do your own processing, incidentally. We at the very beginning we used to do our own processing, but okay. now we go to a USDA processor, um, okay. and they do a they do a very good job for us. They're a small hand hand butcher type um, yeah. processing facility, so. Yeah. Interesting. So what, what have you found to be the overall feedback from consumers? Well, everyone loves it. I mean, yeah, I realize okay. I'm kind of biased and what am I going to say? Oh, well. Something else. So, so of course I'm going to say it, but it really is true. <laughs> no one has ever had our chicken been like, oh, that's terrible. They all love the chicken. They love the story about what we're doing mm-hmm. and that, yeah, it's just, it's good stuff. The only pushback we ever <laughs> have is on price. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, you get what you pay for. I, 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 would, I would love to have our chicken be cheaper, but, yeah. you know, we we make a very modest amount of money on these chickens, just enough to keep us in business. And, sure. um, yeah, good food costs money. Oh, you got that right. I mean, it's uh, the quality. I mean, when, when you go out to an evening at a restaurant, I mean, you, you'll get what to – that restaurant is uh, known for, right? Um, uh, so no, I, I can appreciate that. Good food, yeah. uh, 
is a definitely you can tell it so obviously there's a difference in in the palette right from mm-hmm. your, your regular store bought and uh what you uh, raise so that's that's great and uh, at this point you don't have any beef or very soon when when do you intend uh, we'll that? have beef in the in the spring of 23 our beef is right? ready yeah okay well that's great i uh i'll be looking for that <laughs> sure that's great um before I let you go, um, how can my audience uh, as consumers and I, for one in fact, I'll have my wife, uh, you can order everything online, right? Correct. Okay. How can we get a hold of you? Yep. Uh, we're pretty simple. It's bigbluffranch.com. Mm-hmm. There's uh there's a big shop now button. You can buy chicken if you would like to, I would. And if you just want to talk to me more, I like talking about this. It's a family farm. Like <laughs> there's mm-hmm. me, there's a couple of guys out in the field, my mom, my dad, my wife, it, you mm-hmm. know, when you call here, our, our phone number is on the website. When you call here, my mom or dad are going to answer it, you know? Gotcha. So if you want to, if you want to talk to your actual farmer, just hop on the phone and we'll chat whenever you want. Very good. It's a family operation. I like that. Uh which uh, again, you know that uh, that was my background growing up as well. It was a family operation. And we all pitched in, you know. We all of us, every one of us, and uh, mm-hmm. so that's great. And I commend you for what you're doing, and uh, and it all boils down to a person's health. You know, it's all what you ingest. It's uh, it's what's going to keep you healthy. So it's um, absolutely uh, true. You I are would. what you eat. Eats. That's right. That's right. Tyler, I want to thank you for coming on on your show, on my show here, and um, I uh, I want to commend you for what you're doing again, and I, I wish you continued success. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed the conversation quite a bit. Thank you for listening. The theme music has been provided by Echo Foxtone. All the opinions expressed in the podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. We hope you will join us in supporting home and family through your monetary funding. For more information, please visit yourlotandparcel.org.